everyone. Hi, hello. It is me, Allison Rosen. Welcome to another episode of Allison Rosen is your new best friend. I am sitting here with Dory Shafrir and Matt Myra. Hello and welcome. Hello. So, Matt, what's what's is it the audience? The, it's the it's the live clapping and the uh, music. I don't. We never get to hear the intro to our podcast because I always put it in later. Right. It's just exciting to hear all this stuff happening live. Yeah, I do it a little. <laughs> I know the nerdist thing is to just like to have been recording half hour before the guest arrives and just roll into it. Sure. But I like to be a little less organic. No, I, I think that's <laughs> I think that's wise. Um so Matt, I've had you on the show before. Mm-hmm. Dory, I have not had you. Yes. But I uh lived in New York for years and I feel like I've known who uh, who you are and read your byline for years and years and years and years. Oh, well thank you. So it's exciting to meet you. Uh, you guys have a podcast. We do, yeah. We do. Dory and Matt, Matt and, and Dory. Dory. <laughs> I, I knew it was definitely one or the other. We own both domains. Right, okay. So it's but fine. But it's Matt and Dory's excellent adventure yes. about your, your IVF journey. And a lot of people have said to me, I should have you guys on because I've been very open about the fact that it took a, a whole team to create uh-huh. this baby over mm-hmm. there. Who's very cute. Thank you very much. Well, you got Thank one. You. Congratulations. Yes. Thank you. It's really it's, the end game. Yes. Yes. I was just thinking about that this morning. I was thinking that I was not one of those people who felt like if I don't have a child, I will, what's the point of even continuing? Like Mm -hmm. my whole life, you know, all, I was not one of those people who's like, all I've ever, ever wanted is to be a mother and I can't. Um, and I did meet people like that and I certainly saw that represented on message boards and just in, in the whole yeah. infertility culture. But I definitely wanted to have a baby if I could. And the further I got into it, the more I felt like if this doesn't work out, I'm going, going to be devastated because I'm so just emotionally invested at this point, financially invested, mm-hmm. time invested. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet I kept having to remind myself, like, there's no guarantee this is going to work out, which I didn't realize from the beginning. Yeah. I kind of just thought, well, if you can't have a baby the regular way, you, IVF will work. Um, but then, you know, thankfully, it, we I luck, we lucked out and, yeah. and it did work. Um, but after a lot of discouraging things along the way. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's like 70% luck, 30% science. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. It, I was surprised how much – I mean, I guess it's kind of amazing what they do know, but also – I was surprised how much they don't know. Yes, like I felt like totally. Um, there were a lot of, of points along the way where I I felt like I just I feel like they're just trying. They don't they don't quite know what they're doing with me. They're just hoping this works. And if it you know they, yeah, they're yeah. tweaking stuff. Yes, they're they're like oh, let's try this thing. And yeah, you're like this is my life and my body and my thousands of dollars. Right? Aren't you supposed to know exactly? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so where are you guys? Um in the whole process? So we have done three retrievals um, and we had three, each round we got one normal embryo and we did one transfer in November that didn't work. Mm -hmm. Um, And now we are sort of in this like holding pattern because I had a book come out a few weeks ago and I've just been traveling and doing events for my book and, um, my doctor wanted to just sort of put things on hold for a while, which is fine. But she also wants me to do um, an endometrial receptivity 
test, mm-hmm. which they do um, sometimes if you have a failed transfer with a normal, with a PGS tested embryo. PGS is the genetic testing. Um, just to see if they had transferred it at the right time. Oh. Yeah. Because apparently like 25% of women, they either transfer the embryo a little too early or a little too late. And there's like some perfect window. They did that with me. They didn't even give me the option of not doing that. Oh, but I interesting. Have en- I have endometriosis. Okay. So I-, I did eight egg retrievals. Wow. Um, It became a way of life. Yeah. I became very fond of Versed. Did they give you Versed? before? No. <laughs> Apparently, that's the most important thing. They didn't give that to you before your retrieval? No. Any of your retrievals? No. Did they just... Versed is... It It calm, It's a um, it's a diazepam. It calms you down. Oh. Did they give you anything oh, to make they, you like feel relaxed and sort of um, forget stuff? Well, the, I mean, I was under for the retrievals. Right. At the place I went, um, they would give you Versed, which makes you not anxious and relaxed yeah. and then they give you the thing to put you to sleep i think they offered it to me and then they were like ah oh, you don't need it and i was like oh okay <laughs> um, but uh i think they gave me anti-nausea stuff okay i mean in truth i think you're only out for like a very short amount you, of time yeah yeah you're really not out that long um so we did our last retrieval in march um yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, March. I was at work for sure. So yeah, we yeah. did it in March. Um, so now we have two PG, you know, genetically normal allegedly embryos on ice. Mm-hmm. Um, I would love that ice capade show. <laughs> embryos, oh my God. embryos on ice. <laughs> um, and yeah, so that's that's kind of where we're at. That's pretty good. To, I mean, I think because mine were so you have blastocysts. Yes, we have two frozen blastocysts. Um, for listeners who don't know, although a lot of the listeners probably do, do know, know from yeah, from, you. from me and from from you guys, yeah. but there's people who don't know. Um, oftentimes they will freeze embryos on day five, yeah. and they call that blastocyst. If you don't produce that many, they might recommend freezing them on day three because there's a chance that they wouldn't make it to day five in a lab, but would make it inside you. And some clinics always think you should go to day five. Yeah. Um, I think my clinic does. They do. Yeah. Yeah. Mine strongly recommended day three. So Mm -hmm. we didn't have the, unless I wanted to, unless I overruled them and said, yes, do day five and Mm -hmm. we want to do genetic testing. Interesting. Because if we had frozen on day three, we would have had 20, we would have like 20 embryos, but so many of them didn't make it to day five. Right. They recommend going out to day five when it's a matter of which embryos are we going to transfer? Like we have, Mm -hmm. look at this embarrassment of embryos. There's so many here, which ones? Whereas with me, I only made a few eggs each time. So that's why it took so long to get all those embryos. How many, um, how many, what was your best round? Five follicles. Uh Um, but of that, I don't, remember how many embryos we actually got i think maybe two or three i know Mm -hmm. that i did we ended up with seven seven frozen embryos eight retrievals and we got nothing on the last one and i was gonna my doctor had recommended um moving on to transfer like three or four months earlier than we did Uh but i really wanted to see if it was possible to get enough to have 
two kids and like they because yours are not genetically tested right they were frozen on day three yes got it so there's a much smaller chance that those are viable right so based on how many we had at that point it really looked like hopefully we have enough for one there's probably not enough for two and i remember she brought out i think it was on a mouse pad Mm -hmm. it was like if you're this age and there's you know it was like this whole table of percentages um so she's like, you know, if you really want to have two kids based on your age now, blah, 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 we should keep going now versus right. trying to get more afterwards. But then it just quickly became diminishing returns. And yeah. finally, at the end, it was like, I think she said, your ovaries are fried. Like, it's not working. Oh, not not meaning like never again, but yeah, just yeah, yeah. at this point, You're we're spent, not getting yeah. anything. Yeah. So let's, you know, maybe maybe you can get more right. if if you get pregnant afterwards. Um, we still do have five frozen, so I'm hopeful there's something That's in there. Amazing. Also, though, whereas before I felt like I ha- we have to have two somehow. Now with yeah. with one, I'm realizing like if this is all we get that's okay yeah too. totally you know how many embryos did they transfer when you got pregnant with him? two they recommended transferring three or four mathematically but the idea of potentially having <laughs> yeah. yeah triplets yeah. or quadruplets just scared me too much so we did two which again definitely not their recommendation Initially, I did have twins, though. No, I did not give birth to twins. Right. Initially, they both took, and mm-hmm. then one um, decided it had better things to do than come into this world mm-hmm. around seven and a half to eight and a half weeks okay. between that. But for the beginning, the fact that I was pregnant with twins was was overwhelming and, and insane. Yeah. yeah. I, I can't imagine. Me neither. I, I can't believe you've done eight. That's the most we've heard of, right? I became of a real regular there. Us? Yeah. Eight is up there. Yeah. Yeah. That's incredible. It was, um, are you familiar with the term MinStim, minimal stimulation? Yeah, I've heard about that. It's a different protocol that they use for women who are poor responders, mm-hmm. which I didn't even know that was a thing. I did yeah. not know that with some people you can do thousands of, you can inject yourself with all the drugs and you still, instead of, like how many follicles would you make at a time or how many eggs? Um, well, the first round we got 18 mm-hmm. and then the second round, I think we got nine or so. And then the third round, I think we got 11. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Normally, women will produce just a a whole bunch, but some women who are poor responders still make like, I don't know, I think anything under five is considered poor responders. Yeah, I mean, we did one, we went to do one round and she, you had, what, three follicles maybe? Yeah, like when I went in on day two Mm. and I had three follicles, my doctor was like, okay, we're not going to do it. So they canceled it. They canceled it, Yeah. 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 Um. Completely lost my train of thought. Oh, yeah. So, right. So, they have a special, cheaper, basically, protocol, mm-hmm. which is min-stim, and it's less injections, less drugs. Ghost protocol. What? Ghost protocol. That's what they call it. They should call it ghost protocol. They should, yes. <laughs> Every protocol should be ghost protocol. Sorry. <laughs> um, but then it turned out that what I actually needed was something sort of in between. Uh-huh. Oh. Um, because the they I needed something more aggressive than minstim, but less aggressive than the full like regular thing. What uh, did you, so when you first went? Did you did they? recommend this minimal stimulation or do they just go with the normal let's pump your ass full of drugs they recommended it it was really weird that so there's three doctors at the clinic that i went to and initially 
we were dealing with a different doctor uh-huh. than, that I than the one I ended up sort of selecting. Um, and he's very renowned and like created, you know, very famous and sort of created this practice. Um, and he wanted us to come in for a consultation to talk about like what is possible or something. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't even know what this means. And he, in the course, it's weird. Like I still, I feel like I was almost like in a fugue state for that. Like I still feel like I don't quite remember. I didn't at the time quite understand what he was saying, yeah. except I knew that it wasn't positive. Uh-huh. I mean, it wasn't encouraging. It was like based on this and this. And I know that there was a whole thing with like, he put starbursts on the table and was like explaining that the <laughs> they represent the follicles and this and this and I, like I still what? it's all kind of hazy in to every me. bag. There's like one pink starburst. <laughs> yeah. That's the embryo. <laughs> um. So I think what he knew based on some blood test result that I probably wasn't going to produce that many eggs. Uh-huh. That's what the the upshot of that was. But they have this thing called MinStim and, you know, you'll do like, let's say three rounds of minimal stimulation, which is the, hopefully will get us the equivalent of one full cycle. And I know that at the time I was like, but that's, you know, so many months not yeah. realizing that like yeah. I had so, m- but we also did IUI first. Oh, uh-huh. okay. Even though the first doctor I went to said um, they wanted to remove some polyps from my uterus. And once he did that, he said, if that doesn't get you pregnant, then you should just go straight to IVF. Mm-hmm. Like he didn't, he recommended not even wasting time with IUI. Mm-hmm. Which would have been more prudent, but I was just like, if there's a chance I can avoid the whole yeah. idea thing, because I was yeah. afraid of it, afraid of needles and all of that stuff. Yeah. Um. So we did. So, but of course, I wasn't really that, that hopeful that the IUI would work, and it didn't. So then we ended up becoming um, professional IVFers. Sure. <laughs> That's remarkable. Yeah. I can't imagine. I think after five, I would just be like, "What are we doing? Yeah. We're done." Why are we doing this? I I am very impressed. Well, thank you. I will say, though, it wasn't... They were all with the intention of doing a frozen transfer. So yeah. it wasn't like I'd do it... A fr- Fresh transfer is where so you just they, you just filled the fridge. yeah it was like banking yeah, yeah. banking but even embryos. still it just is so it's I, taxing. I don't know that the. I mean, what's, what's, what is, what is more taxing for you? The actual implantation? Or rather, the transfer? Yeah, the transfer or going through a cycle for a retrieval? Uh, retrieval. Yeah. Yeah. Even though transfer, you have to do the progesterone shots, which suck. Those I thought were the worst. Those are the worst. But I feel like the drugs that you take for the retrieval just make you feel horrible. Mm-hmm. Um, so I hate that. Yeah. How did you feel? Not great. The first, I feel like the first cycle I felt the worst, but I don't know if that was also slightly psychosomatic because mm-hmm. I was so like anxious about, I didn't know what to expect. And we hadn't started the podcast yet. And I wasn't really talking about it with anyone. So I think I was just already a little stressed and anxious. And right. I feel like it just like made me like, Ugh. um, and then the last cycle, the most recent cycle, I felt like it barely affected me. And then, but then after the retrieval, I was like incapacitated for like a week. Whereas Mm. in the first two retrievals, I was like totally fine. And like, yeah. So I don't know. I just feel like bodies are weird. 
I agree. What is the cost difference between minimum stimulation and a regular full blownsies? It's it's a lot different. Yeah. It's like um probably like eight thousand dollars different. Mm. Um and the and it's fewer drugs yeah. too. Yeah. So like I said, we were sort of doing something in between. Yeah. But it's yeah. There I I don't even I mean, it was spread out over a long time, so it was a ton of money, but it didn't feel so that painful. But uh, I don't, if it had been eight full blownsies, yeah. there's, there's no way we could have afforded that. Yeah. Um, we, so I mean, expensive. it's just, it's so, it's, I mean, we did three in the span of a, less than a year, full blownsies. And <laughs> it's just like, it's incredible when you walk in and have to pay them and you have to figure out which credit card you want to get miles on and then right. make sure you transfer the balance off to a 0% balance. Luckily, we both have good credit. Otherwise, although this is sort of tanking her credit. <laughs> Hi, honey. Hi. Sorry my sperm's so dumb. Mm. <laughs> <sighs> Did you suspect you had dumb sperm? Yeah. Why? Uh, because I grew up so fat. I just was like, my balls were so hot for so long. I was just cooking my semen. <laughs> So I was like, oh, I bet you. Plus, I had never gotten anyone pregnant. And, uh, you know, a sense of humor goes a long way, guys. So uh, <laughs> I uh, just, I had a feeling. And I had I said this to Dory maybe before we got married even. Yeah. I said, I bet we're going to have to do IVF. And Dory, what was your reaction when you heard that? Um, I was like... Why does he think he knows everything? <laughs> <laughs> was that your feeling in regard to that statement or just in general? In general, <laughs> but also about that statement. <laughs> um, yeah, so I didn't... It was lower than I thought it would be my count. Or maybe it was more. I don't know. It was just... It just you didn't, but I don't think you knew. I didn't know. I had no idea what a yeah. good number of, of sperm mm-hmm. is. I didn't know anything so when i finally went to the urologist and that we went to the i went to the urologist because you had we'd seen the reproductive endocrinologist correct yeah we saw an re who said you need to get your sperm tested oh no or was it even before that like i I was like if i don't remember because we had friends who had been trying for like two years and the woman had been tested but the guy hadn't and then finally they tested the guy and they were like oh you have low sperm count and they were like well we just like that's so annoying we should have tested right very beginning so the whole time i was like if we're gonna start doing ivf yeah and it also i don't think i would have allowed you to be tested and for me not to i had assumed it was me anyway yeah so we found a doctor and indeed dr kim cedars good guy (laughs) Is there actually a relationship between having been I mean, there are, there, uh, they, uh, I've talked about this with the urologist and I've talked about this with some IVF doctors and they, there's no good studies on it because there are so many factors other than weight. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I feel like the correlation is, is such that it, I just, I just think it's it might be impossible to do a long-term study on that kind of thing, but I, I think that's it. Mm-hmm. Because it, the temperature is so important, and, uh, you know, you're bunched up down there for a while. It's <laughs> not going to be... Let me tell you, in the summer, it's not like, oh, I'm so refreshed. My balls are so cool. Uh, it's quite the opposite. And, uh, you know, they're outside of your body for a reason. They want to be a different temperature. They don't want to be the same temperature or hotter. So... 
Yeah. I assumed it was bad. And it mm. was. It was like I had a million per whatever the hell. Which seems like a ton. Exactly. But it is not. It sounds like, wow. 80, that's so virile. The correct number is 80 to 120. Million. Yeah. That's so many. I know. I know. It's insane. It's insane. Um, so uh, when we talked about the IVF process and then we're like, well, there's ICSI where they can literally take a sperm cell and throw it into an egg. I said, well, all I need is one. I got a million, so we'll figure it out. <laughs> um, yeah. But that was my end of it. I, yeah. It was limited to me having to go to a urologist and just having to jerk off like seven times, which was no skin off my back, guys. I didn't mind. Mm. How was the porn selection at Awful. the place? Okay. Uh, at both places, at California Fertility Partners, which is where we go, um, which is located in beautiful, sunny Brentwood, California. Um, they have terrible porn. For how much they charge, it's ridiculous. There are still magazines. <laughs> um, there's DVD selections. And all of the porn, a lot of the porn is very brutal. Like, it's like what, what Ass Blasters mean? 73 and like choke. Like, it's crazy. It's like, I feel like it's aggressive pornography mm-hmm. and not like uh you know let's 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 have sex on the beach it's very nice out it's not like yeah. the, p- the pizza delivery guy no none of that <laughs> it's like how rough is too rough and it's all gross and i you know i did look just to see what what i what i had to but i said well how's the internet in here not great but good enough um <laughs> yeah and the room's awful and the place at cedars was worse uh, you know, it just was like, also like, I think that, that clinics are the only places that are still buying porn on DVD. It's like, <laughs> they're probably printing seven a week just to sell the idea. <laughs> it might uh, be a huge market. I don't know. I don't know. But, um, yeah, this so is more was... info than I got from my husband. He said that it was all like big butt Latina porn, well, I but I didn't it depends know on the clinic, I guess. Uh, because there was a, a wide variety of, of, uh, gay porn and the hetero porn, all the hetero porn was anal. Like it was weird to me. Interesting. It was a thematic, <laughs> it was a thematic binder of DVD <laughs> where it was just ass sex, um, for all genders. And, uh, it, you know, I never used, I never turned on the DVD player or anything like that, but I did take a look in the, in the magazines too. It's like going to a pediatrician's office that has not had their magazine selection cleaned out in 17 years. Such it's an interesting like, choice of metaphor. <laughs> well, yeah, we're all trying to one day go right. to the pediatrician again. Um, but, uh, just like, just the folds were like white because they had been creased so many times. Like mm. it was, it was not great, but it, that, that's the least I can do. Really? It's true. Like, it's literally silly <laughs> it's silly how literal like i all i have to do is drive sometimes and uh jerk off in a room that's not great yep yeah so now that you're taking a few months off how do you feel um i feel okay like there's definitely a period probably the first 6 to 8 months where i was like go 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 and it felt like every month was like a crucial month. And if I missed a cycle, then 
all hope was lost. And um, I was definitely very worried about kind of when everything was going to happen. And then more recently, I've just been like, all right, you know, like this is, this is like actually out of my hands and it's going to happen when it's going to happen. It's not like I'm 25. Like at this point, I'm going to be an older mom, quote unquote, whether it happens right now or a year from now, like it's kind of the same thing. Um, and I was just like, all right. So that's kind that's of so good. It's so good to get to that place. Yeah. It's enviable. But it was like, but it's also a little bit weird because it's not like I've like lost the passion for it, <laughs> but I am also like, like I feel a lot more, I don't know, not ambivalent exactly, but I'm definitely not as like rare to go as I used to be mm-hmm. about it. Um, like it's actually, you know, even though I've been really busy with book stuff, like it's been kind of nice to not have to think about IVF for right. a few months and like be anxious about it and be like, well, okay, if I get my period that week, like, okay, you know, doing all those calculations that you do. And, you know, I think it's so easy to get yourself psyched up for something that doesn't end up happening. Like when I did the transfer, I was like, okay, transferring in November. So that means I'm going to have a baby and, you know, mm-hmm. and then it oh. doesn't happen and you just are like, oh, Okay. Was it was it devastating when it didn't work or like what how would you describe it? I wouldn't say devastating. But I I you know. I was definitely like very disappointed. Yeah. Um and that 2 week wait is like the worst. Um did you test at home? Yeah, I did. Much to Matt's chagrin. <laughs> they so Again, for I, I feel like I'm talking, like I said, repeating myself. I feel like I'm talking to people who already know. But if you if you don't know, um, after transfer, they strongly counsel you not to begin testing at home. I think Correct. everyone does test at home. Yeah, but you you after so it's called the two week wait, and then you go in for a, a um, definitive blood test after two weeks. Yeah. So the reason they tell you not to test at home is because um, if you test too early and you get a negative, but you're actually pregnant. Um, the concern is that you will stop taking your, you'll stop giving yourself progesterone shots and you have more of a chance of losing right. the baby. Um, I think it's, I think if you do a fresh transfer, there's a chance of a false positive, but with a frozen transfer, you don't, it's, it's more the false negative. Right. I did wait until like the morning of my blood test. Oh, that's good. So I did like, I waited long enough that I was like, this is probably going to be accurate. And mm-hmm. I did kind of. I don't know, even though I'd waited that long, it was something about like being mentally prepared just going into the office that I felt like I needed to do. Um, so were you pretty convinced it was negative when you went in to get the yeah. blood test? Yeah. I mean, I was like, yeah, of course there's like a you know 1% chance or whatever that it's actually positive. But I was like, it's probably. And I was out to lunch with a friend when my nurse called. She's like, I have some, you know, I, I have bad news. And I was like, okay, I had a feeling. And it was just sort of like, wah, wah. <laughs> that was how I felt. It, it was more, it was like, I wouldn't say devastating, but certainly disappointing and like, Oh, now we have to like. Mm. There's so much more we have to do now. <laughs> Got to yeah. get the band back together. 
Yeah. So that was just like, ugh, all right, this is this process is going to take so much longer than I ever thought it would. That's how I felt. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of only lately have I been thinking for the because it was such a lifestyle for me at a certain point and a full-time job but for the people who go in do a uh you know do a cycle do a fresh transfer and get pregnant it's actually pretty expedient yeah and and that does happen Mm -hmm. um i don't think it's the norm but like it does happen um but yeah i mean I was not anticipating not being pregnant by this point. And you're right. It is like a full-time job. Like that is one of the things about not doing it for like a few months is I'm like, oh, that was taking up not just so much of my mental energy, but like actual time. Well, I was listening to you um, talk about when uh, FedEx didn't get your, oh my God, have your drugs arrived. Just the whole saga of the drugs not arrived. It was, and it was, it's been a while now, a, a little sort of a while, but it was amusing for me to be hearing all the names of the pharmacies. I'm like, I went to all of those places. I dealt with yep. Freedom Farm, you know, all of them. Totally. I, but yeah, I that, was, remember. Yeah. And that it's like- was hours out of my day and it was like super stressful. So, you know, to just not have to even think about that for a little while is like very nice. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think it's going to be harder to restart though because right. I'm just like... Well, it's been kind of nice to not have to think about IVF for a little while. So, have you both always wanted to have kids? Like, what's your relationship with with wanting kids? Um, I just assumed I would. I didn't. Never really. It was never like a want or didn't want. I just growing up Catholic, you're just like, well, <laughs> gotta have a bunch of kids. That's the plan. Uh, um, I think I was ambivalent about it for a while like not against it i mm-hmm. never was someone who said i'm not having kids and then changed my mind but i was sort of like well if it happens it happens um and then i think as i got older i was like well it'd be nice to have kids and then when i met matt i was like well matt would be a really good dad and i want to have a kid with matt so that was like a kind of a psychological switch for me mm-hmm. uh sorry what are you sorry I'm about? Sorry to turn that psychological switch. Oh. <laughs> I don't mean to be such a good dad. <laughs> Although I've gotten a preview of the kind of dad he's going to be with our dog, uh-huh. Bo. Yeah. And what have you learned? Uh, I'm going to be the bad cop. <laughs> <laughs> and Matt's going to be the good cop. Yeah. <laughs> oh, what happened to your hand? I saw oh, people God. asking about that on your Reddit AMA. So, oh, ouch. Um, yeah. So this is like 500 times better than what it looked like. I got bit by a Doberman. At a dog park? At a dog park. Um, a Doberman who was not neutered. Mm. Um, my dog got in a fight with him, and I was trying to get my dog off this other dog, and the other dog bit me. Like that. Um, so I got five stitches um, the week before my book came out. So that was really great timing. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, yeah, it really sucked. I had the stitches in for, like, a week and a half. I had to – I had to get them out in New York Mm -hmm. because I was there for book stuff and just like wandered into an urgent care and was like, hi, can you take out my stitches please? Um, And then it looked disgusting for a few days. Like we went to, we went to Boston, we went to a baseball game with two of Matt's friends and like the next day uh, I saw the woman, one of the women and she was like, 
oh, your hand looks so much better. I didn't want to say anything yesterday, but like it, it really looked bad. <laughs> <laughs> and like it was like oozing. Oh. And, like it was gross. Did it um, hurt really bad? It hurt. Um, it was never that bad. And I, and I had like – I had like full range of motion pretty much after a few days. Mm. Um, but like stitches are uncomfortable. And then like my hand turned yellow and then. Right. The bite is right on like the yeah. web in between your thumb and yeah. forefinger. Yeah. On my left hand. And I'm left-handed. So, you know, and also when you have stitches in, you can't get it wet. So I'm like showering with like a saran wrap around my <laughs> hand. Like it was just like everything was annoying. And um, yeah, but now the scab has mostly fallen off and it's healing. And yeah. Was the owner apologetic? I mean, not really. Um, he was like, well, your dog started it. And I was like, well, your dog has, has, not, balls. has balls and is not allowed to be in the dog park. And in fact, it's against the law in, in the city of Los Angeles to not neuter your dog after the age of four months. Guy. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. So, I was I was there by myself. Matt was at home. I'm standing there with, like, my hand dripping blood. Mm. And sort of like the this guy is like yelling at me kind of and then the other people at the dog park came over and were kind of defending me and, and then this woman was like you can come to my house and like wash up i live across the street and i was like thank you <laughs> and <laughs> i called matt and i was like i you know i got bit by a dog and it was just it was like very chaotic and it wasn't until i I'd like gotten the do- I'd gotten the guy's number and I was like, you have to send me your dog's medical records. Like, I don't want to get fucking rabies. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I texted him, he was like, are you sure it was my dog? And I was like, yes. And here I sent him like a he was he, di- he didn't see it. He was right there. Okay. He was like, so I he's ha- just a dick. Yeah. And then I sent him a link to like the law that says your dog must be neutered to come into the dog park and also that your dog must be neutered. And that, and then I said, um, like, you. I basically was like, if you pay my medical bills, which were five hundred dollars at urgent care that didn't take my insurance, um, then like, if you don't do that, then I will contact my attorney. And then he got really nice. <laughs> so. Yeah, which like I didn't love having to say, but I was like, dude. Like it was come on, yeah. it was your dog. You have a and you have a Doberman. Like, you know, did Bo actually start it? Yeah, he did. But like, that's why you're not allowed to bring right. non neuter dogs in the park because you don't know how other dogs are going to react to them. Right. There's a husky in the neighborhood that Bo hates. It's just, it's like insane. And, and they, I was like, you have maybe to be like he's not neutered. Forty. We'll be walking. Da 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 da. He'll just something snaps in Bo. And he goes nuts. And I'll look. And it's like a quarter mile up the street. I see that husky. And it's like, I don't know what. And I have not gotten, I've not been able to get close enough to the husky to see if it has balls. But um, is that your hunch that he my, hates my dog theory, balls? My theory is that the husky has balls. We, I mean, we know he doesn't like dogs with balls. Like we've seen him get very agitated. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we have a, we have a trainer um, who we work with sometimes with him. And I texted her. I was Dog, like, not people. Yeah. Um, I was like, <laughs> is this something I should be concerned about? Like, do so we- what is it that he, he suddenly gets aggressive? 
it's like a hormonal mm-hmm. thing. And she was like, no, this is totally normal. This is why people should neuter their dogs. Mm. Um, like dogs that are neutered get threatened, feel threatened by dogs with balls. It's like, it's so interesting because mm-hmm. w- one would hope they are not aware that they don't have balls. Right. But I feel like they are. I feel like they are. And I they feel like they pleasantly forget it. And until also, they see I think someone <laughs> ball. Yeah, it's just a, it's it's like, a cruel hmm. reminder. Oh, wait. Well, <laughs> I think that a dog with balls like emits pheromones that dogs without balls do not mm. that are perhaps read as aggressive by dogs that don't have balls. Um, and it just like triggers something. So, I mean, maybe it would be read, read as aggressive if the dogs had balls too. Right. And then you just have two non-neutered dogs fighting. Yeah. Which would suck. I know I brought you guys on to talk about yourselves and IVF in your podcast, but I just want to talk about dog balls for the rest of the podcast. Well, now, I mean, now Matt does a ball check. I like... <laughs> I like cruise the park looking for nuts. <laughs> like it's reverse Los Angeles in the seventies. I'm like cruising looking for no balls. And once there's no balls, then I bring my dog in. But uh you know, she her first time back at the dog park was this past uh weekend. We and, went together. Uh, yeah. I go to, usually go to Silver Lake Dog Park. I just uh it's bigger. Mm-hmm. You know, the West Hollywood one's very small and I have to say, I don't like the owners as much over there. The dogs are fine, but the owners are a little, a little much. They don't. What are they like? They don't understand how dogs play. Mm-hmm. They're a little too protective of their dogs. Also, it doesn't have West Hollywood doesn't have a big dog area and a small dog area. Everyone's together, so the small dog owners get very like yeah. protective of their dogs, which I understand. But it's like most of the time, the big dogs are ignoring the small dogs. If anything, I think actually the danger is that when two big dogs are playing, a lot of times the small dogs like to be like referee <laughs> and kind of like run around them and yeah. start barking. And it it can like agitate the big mm-hmm. dogs. So I don't know. I don't love West Hollywood either. Yeah. I like Laurel Canyon. I hate Laurel Canyon. But he doesn't like it. Why? Uh, because when I have gone, it's there's just dog walkers with during the 75 week, during the day, dogs each. It is oh, like yeah. it is dog walker central and they bring they literally bring like a dozen dogs with them. And so there's like packs of dogs. And they're in around. every corner of the park. Yeah. And, and the you know. dogs that aren't part of those packs don't really play because like packs of mm-hmm. dogs. It's like high school. Yeah. It's yeah, totally. It's very strange. Anyway, so we, w- so we both went back this we past We settled weekend. on Silver Lake and I take the dog and I, you know, it's, there was a dog with balls that came in while I was there with Bo. Not this, not this past weekend, but. No, it was Saturday, wasn't it? Not when I was there. No, it was. You oh were yeah, I was Sunday. there Sunday. Right, I right, went right. Saturday yeah. and I saw a pit bull come in with his balls and I like <laughs> distracted Bo and like kept him away from the dog and then leashed him and took him out and only got oh, you didn't minutes. say anything to the owner? You got 20 minutes at the park. I'm like, what am I going to... I wouldn't have the no, balls, no pun to it either. <laughs> I just don't like... I said something to every other dog owner that was there. I was like, look at that dog's got its balls. And then I took my dog out. More to be like, someone handle this. I'm out of here. <laughs> <laughs> I hope they did. Yeah. But I doubt they did. I doubt they did. Absolutely. And um, But yeah, no, it's uh, it's an adventure with Bo. Yeah. But we love him. Yeah. So what made you guys decide to start talking about IVF publicly and in a podcast? Um, Or on, actually. Publicly. I mean, it was a very public thing for me in the sense of I was working uh, 
I was when I first went famous. to the urologist. Yeah, I was working on this David Spade prank show on, uh, and it was I was in the writers' room. Not writers. We were producers. It's not WGA. Uh, I was in the producers' room, uh, and uh, we were. I was getting the phone calls while I was in there. Mm -hmm. So, and it was just a bunch of like guys in this room. And I just would be like, uh huh. I'd like take the call in the office. And then I would like hang up and go, okay, guys, here's how much sperm I have. And it just became a thing where I just didn't care. And I would just talk about it to them because that's the, the beauty of a room in Hollywood. If you're in a writer's room, you, you just, you don't, no one, no one really hides anything from anybody. It's like, mm -hmm. hey, whatever. We're all in life. Let's all have fun with it um so that's how that started and then i just when i went over and would go to record a nerdist podcast i would talk about it on there and then people started tweeting like oh my god i'm so glad you're talking about this this is me too or my he asked if it was okay this. for him to talk about and i was like yes yeah. on the podcast uh i didn't i just talked about it and then no, hardwick asked you oh yeah that's right <laughs> oh yeah hardwick asked if if i wanted it edited out and I was like, no, it's okay. Um, was that an easy decision for you? Yeah. I mean, I think because Matt was really talking about himself. Mm -hmm. um, he wasn't so much talking about me at that point. And so yeah. I was like, you know what? This is something Matt's going through. And like, yeah, he can talk about it. Um, he was also talking about it at his weekly poker game. And it turned out that like three other guys – were either going through it, like their wives were going through IVF or had they gone through it? Like there was out of, you know, eight, nine people or something. Um, yeah, it was like five of us. So like, that's crazy. And then when people started tweeting at him, especially after the Nerdist Comic-Con episode, mm -hmm. um, there was a lot of guys being like, I'm so... Like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, being like, I'm so, like, thanks for talking about it. Like, you know, I never talk about it with anyone, blah, blah, blah. And I was like so interesting like men who never talk about this stuff mm -hmm. and matt i think is unusual in that regard because he's so open um but it was like it's, it was like clearly really resonating with people and i said to matt like we should do an ivf podcast and he was like no <laughs> <laughs> he was like that is a horrible idea i don't need to do another podcast no one wants to listen to us talk about ivf like blah 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 and I was like, no, I really think like people would want to listen to this. I was just like, I was like, okay, podcasts, I get that they're niche, but this is like <laughs> so, so threading a needle. And I just felt, again, felt like I had enough podcasting on my plate to uh, last a lifetime. Because how many podcasts do you do? I mean, like honestly, right now, active, there's one, two, three, four, five. There's five right now. It's a lot. And if like they were all firing, it would be seven. I'd be mm -hmm. on seven podcasts and that's too much. And he two is too much. And he produces two of them, three of them, two of them. No, I produce. Yeah. Three of them. Three of them. Yeah. So like it is a lot of I time. I do that. And this. Yep. And that it's was not pointing fun. to Jeff and then pointing to himself. <laughs> not fun. <laughs> um, but then I was like, okay, ask your Twitter followers. So he posted a Twitter poll. And said, my wife wants me to do an IVF podcast. Like, is this a good idea? Yeah. And 80% of the respondents said yes. Yeah. So then you had to? Best. Which was even higher. <laughs> like, that was higher than I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be like 64. Right. Um, yeah, but it just turned uh, 
it, it, at the end of the day, it's like the easiest podcast for me to do. Not only because we do it at home, uh, it's just that I get to sit and talk to my wife for an hour, hour and a half and hear from a lot of people. And it's a fun, I like the format of our podcast because it's a lot, it's very heavily reliant on people emailing us mm-hmm. and sharing their story and us talking to them and asking us for advice. Um, so it's the most, by far the most interactive podcast I have. Um, and it's also, uh, so wonderful to be able to, uh, sit down in my dining room, as you know, and do a podcast <laughs> and then stand up and walk over to my computer and upload a podcast. It's very, it's just so easy comparatively to every other show I do where I have to drive somewhere, record and then come back and then eventually edit it. And it's, it's just the easiest thing to do. And I like it. So it's, we're, I'm glad we're doing it. Oh, thanks. Yeah. It's also nice because like we now have this dedicated time once a week where we just talk to each other with no distractions and it gives us an excuse to kind of ask each other questions. And I think like in the course of normal conversation with your par- with your partner, like you just don't end up asking. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know that I would regularly be checking in with Matt about like how he's feeling about IVF or, but because we have this podcast, I can be like, how are you feeling? I didn't know she was a sad teenager until she told me on the podcast. Yeah. And I was like, how did you not know that? (laughs) (laughs) I met you when you were 36. That's how I didn't know that. That's true. What Um, kind of teenager would you have guessed she was? Uh, you know, like valedictorian kind of like real bookwormy and just sort of, driven to only do schoolwork and extracurricular activities involved at Brookline High School. That's what I would have guessed. Mm. And what's the truth? I was like Daria. <laughs> like truly <laughs> like Daria. And my sister was like Quinn. Oh, wow. So it was, I really identified with that. Mm. And with and with uh, Angela Chase on my so-called life. Mm. Sure. Well, who didn't identify with Angela? I don't know who that is. <laughs> Yeah, you never watched it. It's 13 episodes. You Why am I going to get it? into something that's canceled? It's so good. There's two There's two routes I go with television. It's either like, well, it only lasted 10 episodes. Why am I going to watch it? It got canceled. They didn't get to resolve any of the storylines. Or it's like something like The Walking Dead where I'm like, well, I can't start watching it now. <laughs> it's been on for eight years. This is crazy. I only like to watch like shows that I like to watch are shows that know they have a finale and can write to it. Mm. And that's sort mm. of that's where my head's at. That's right. why I've never seen Freaks and Geeks. I'm like, eh, I got canceled Don't too talk soon. To me. Yeah, I know. Are you guys watching Handmaid's Tale? I haven't started it yet because it came out like literally the week my book came out. Mm. So now I feel like now I'm at the point where I'm going to wait till it's done and then binge the whole thing. I I made it through an episode. Oh, it's so good, but it, I couldn't handle it's it, a lot. so I stopped. Yeah, it's upsetting. <laughs> yeah, I feel like especially if you're like going through IVF, um, it's just a lot. Yeah, but so good. Like yeah. I keep reading about it. Totally. But just that one episode was enough to get under my skin and make me feel Why not creeped read it? out. And then um, you'll know what you're ready. You know what you're in for if you read it. Yes. Well, I actually I know the story. So oh. I don't know if I read it or read parts of it or if I saw the movie or both. I I don't feel like I saw the whole movie, but I know so much about it. Yeah. It's weird. Like I've I I'm very familiar with the story and I don't know how I 
soaked up the story. It was uh-huh. one of those. Mm. So like, I, I actually do know oh, quite right. a bit about it. Um, but the, the Hulu version changed some things, but I'm also familiar with what it changed. I may as well just watch it. Yeah, it it's like, like I, in no way I'm am I protecting myself from all the upsetting aspects of it. Yeah. You're, you're sort of like immersed in you're it. You're probably thinking about it more. I probably am. <laughs> I probably am. I'm like, you it. can't get to me. Yeah, I'm just, I'm upset. I'm not obsessed with you. You're thinking about it more than you would have yeah, had you exactly. just watched it. I mean, just earlier today, I was reading about it. See? I need problem. to just stop. This is I a know. Problem. I know. <laughs> Dory, congratulations on your book. Oh, thank you. And I know you have a book coming out. I do have a book coming out. But let's talk about your book. Oh, but thank you. Well, fine. actually, let's talk about, let's talk about it. A book both? attempt that I made before. Oh, okay. Uh, I wanted to write about IVF. Oh. And I put together a proposal uh-huh. that I thought was good and that yeah. my book agent thought was good. And we were kind of surprised that the feedback was they liked me, they liked my writing, they did not feel like the topic was one that they wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And I was disappointed in that and I felt like just you wait because someone is going to write a book about it and then it will do well. Because I knew from talking about it on the podcast yeah. that there are a ton of people who feel like not enough people are talking or yeah. feel like underserved. Yeah. Like yeah. People who are going through it are are really wanting to talk about it or hear about it. Yes. Um, let's just call it out. Matt, you did yeah. something with the wires. I, pulled, I don't know what uh, happened. I pulled my headphones and... <laughs> You know, because I have all this slack that has been so thoughtfully tied up for me. Jeff loves a Velcro tie. Had it not been, that wouldn't have happened. Oh, oh wow. no. Hoist <laughs> on his own petard. But, oh, what are you doing? I'm not doing is anything. It, <laughs> I it swear the... to God, I'm not doing anything. If I just if I just go slide over here and just plug this in more. I think I think that's good. Yeah, you're fine. I think we're, See, we're all done. Okay. All right. Um, can I ask yes. what the uh, like what the sort of what the pitch was? Like what was your angle? It was Hang on, I'll write this down. So <laughs> we don't so, do it. So you never do it. Oh, are you thinking of it? Um it's it's funny. I can't even I would just I was like, I can't even remember what I was gonna call it. It's like I've blocked out that whole mm-hmm. thing. I had a, a clever title, I thought. Um it was it was that I never I just never thought I was gonna have trouble getting pregnant. Right. And mm. I kind of block you know, I I was so concerned with not getting pregnant mm-hmm. that I thought the second that I stopped trying to prevent it, I would get pregnant. Right. Um and I was Really, so I think my baby is crying right now, and it's oh, yeah, distracting sure. me. Hundred <laughs> percent, your baby is crying. He's going through a cranky phase, and um, I'm just going to have to learn to uh, to not. What well, is sort of instinctual? It's crazy. Yeah, it turns it out, <laughs> it turns out that they're right. <laughs> you do have this, but he's he's fine right now. He's with a babysitter. Um, but at least it's not impacting my career at all, you guys. <laughs> uh, anyway, maybe I didn't have a, a sharply honed angle enough. I'm sort of realizing as I'm saying this. I also think that maybe the story of a married white woman who's doing IVF later in life is like not 
that compelling like mm-hmm. who really care i mean mm-hmm. i care and i think my listeners care mm-hmm. but also it's like oh boohoo you're mm-hmm. married mm-hmm. you have a career and you're trying to get pregnant oh how sad right, right i mean right. not that i was not that i was hoping for people to feel sorry for me or anything but i'm just saying it's like i feel like maybe it needed that extra something or yeah. other that that yeah i don't know I mean, I think IVF books are a tough sell. I guess. Um, Evidently, yes. Yeah. I like my agent is very keen on us putting together a proposal based on the podcast. And I've been doing some, just some very preliminary research into IVF books, like just looking at them like on Amazon. And most of them, there aren't seem that many. To, well, yeah. And the ones that are there seem to not have sold very many copies. Um, but I, yeah, so I'm, I'm kind of wondering, like, is it, is it the kind of thing where someone just hasn't landed on the right formula or is there a reason why right. people aren't doing these books because actually no one wants to read them? Like maybe they want to listen to a podcast, but maybe they don't want to read a book. I don't know. Um, it seems the publishers think there's not quite a market right. for it, but yeah, I guess I wonder, is that is that proven or is that well, what they think? Unless there's like a doctor attached to it, that then it's a different yeah, kind of book. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I am also very open and interested in exploring the idea. Like if we, if we were to put together a proposal, which like we might not end up doing, who knows? But if we were to do that and no one bought it, mm-hmm. I would be open to self-publishing because I think now we have enough of a platform right. with our podcast that like even if like – 25% of the people who listen to our podcast buy the book, like, okay, great. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think that might be something that I look into if it comes to that. Like, right. I'm, I'm open to it. Um, I will go back and reread my proposal and try to and, – and give you more info just, just as I'm, to, like, what didn't work for me. Yeah, I'm just kind of curious because, you know, I – there were – there were, like – a couple of IVF books that came out in the fall and they were sort of uh they were they were very somber kind of like i you know i was trying for years and like that sort of narrative mm-hmm. um and kind of the desperation of wanting a child um and maybe it's like, oh, hello, dog. Maybe <laughs> it's like that that people don't want to read. Like, right. I don't actually, I, I don't know. Um, but anyway, yeah, that that is just something I've been thinking about lately. Yeah, I mean, it was going to be more than just the IVF part of it. Right. It was also sort of my life before that. Yeah. And um, I also didn't have an ending yet. Because it was right. like in the proposal, it's like, you know, either I will have had a baby or totally. I will decide to adopt or I will be looking at, you know, accepting life without yep. a kid. Yep. And I thought like, ooh, what a fun, you know, we don't know how it's going to end. But maybe it would have been better if it, yeah. if, I, if we knew. Because it was kind of act. in the middle yeah. of of IVF. Right. When I knew like, I'm going to do this and then we're going to take the, you know, I knew where that was headed, but I didn't yeah. know the outcome yet. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of where we are too. So it makes me like slightly hesitant about pitching something right now. So, but you do have the pla- I mean, because I had my podcast, which is a platform, right. but I didn't have a dedicated IVF yeah. podcast. Right. Yeah, I don't know. I listen, whatever. <laughs> but startup is yes. your novel. Startup is my novel. It's a satire. Yes. It is a satire of the tech scene in New York. Yes. 
what made you decide to write a novel? Because you have a, a journalism background. I do. I've been a journalist for over 10 years. I've been at BuzzFeed for like five years. Um, I So to be honest, the the novel sort of emerged out of my attempts at doing like basically a free writing exercise. Um, I, I was in a very, I feel like low point creatively, like I was in a different role at BuzzFeed that was very managerial mm. and I wasn't writing anything. And I felt like, okay, I just need my own little project. And even if it never sees the light of day, no one ever reads it. Like I will feel good because I have my own thing. And I was like, I'm going to write every day for the month of January. Like it was kind of a New Year's resolution thing. And so I'd wake up every morning and just write for like half an hour to an hour. And I just started kind of writing these characters and then came up with an idea for a story um, based in part on my interest in a couple of like high profile sexual harassment cases that happened in tech around the time that I was working on the book. Um, One of them was at Tinder. One of the co-founders of Tinder sued for sexual harassment. Um, And then another one was at a venture capital firm in Silicon Valley where another, a partner, a female partner sued. Um, The Tinder lawsuit was settled. So Whitney Wolf got a bunch of money and went off and started Bumble. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah. I only recently heard of Bumble. Yeah. So she was like, fuck you, Tinder. I'm going to start <laughs> something better. Um, but Ellen Powell, who's the venture capital person, that case went to trial. And I remember in like the lead up, I was like, oh, she has like an open and shut case. Like, I mean, look, I'm no lawyer, but like, this is obvious. And then the trial happened and then she lost the case. And I was like, what? Like, how, how is that possible? What was, where had she been working? Kleiner Perkins. It okay. was a venture capital firm in Silicon Valley. Cause I know the name Ellen Powell. She went so over then, to run Reddit. Then That's she why. ran Reddit. And then she got fired, which, like, right? Went and then horribly. It. And, um, but yeah, but she sort of like rose to prominence um, during this sexual harassment trial. But after she lost that case, I was like, God, like this stuff must all be happening all the time. Mm. Even though tech is supposed to be like this brave new world, um, where like, we're just disrupting shit all the time. (laughs) And, you know, and the first time I heard someone use the term disrupt, I was like, Oh, get over yourself. (laughs) Yeah, it's like it's it's annoying. Mm-hmm. Um but I was just thinking about how in reality a lot of those companies consciously or not end up taking some of like the worst of what old corporate America um was doing. So I wanted to kind of explore that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so I wanted to kind of approach all of these issues. And I lived in New York for like eight or nine years and wrote about startups. And when I started at BuzzFeed, BuzzFeed was like very much a startup. There were like 65 people there. And I thought like, oh, this would be a cool setting for a book. Um, and no one had done a book set in the New York tech world. So that was just kind of how it happened. And what was your experience like? writing well had have you written had had or have you written fiction before i had not written fiction before um i mean i'd written like some bad short stories but (laughs) you know i hadn't written like a full-length project before or or, you know a novel length project before i should say um 
so yeah, so it was a new thing. And I definitely had in the, especially in the beginning, I had a lot of like imposter syndrome of like, like, have I earned this? Like, am I allowed to write this novel? Mm, right. I, Cause you didn't go to Iowa. Right. I didn't, I don't have an MFA. I, you know, I haven't like taken that path. Um, but then I started showing it to people. I showed it to my agent. I showed it to my friend who we had like worked on some writing stuff together and they were like, Oh yeah, you should keep going. Like, I really like this. And so I was like, okay. So I kept going. And then in November we sold it, um, based on a hundred pages and an outline. And then I finished it in June of last year, June of 2016. Mm. And then it was published in April, the end of April. That's so cool. Yeah. So yeah, it's been really fun. How much, now I'm just selfishly asking questions in case I ever want to write a novel. Yeah. How much did you know where the story was going to go at the outset? Because I find that in because I have a journalism background as well, uh-huh. so I'm very used to like 800 words yeah. by this date. Totally. So the idea, and I'm not creating a story out of whole cloth. Yes. So in general, I find it challenging to out line anything like book proposals that's the hardest part yeah. for me too as as well the out um yeah so it's just i find that very daunting yeah um it was daunting um and yeah the thing about going from being a journalist where the story is there for you mm-hmm. you just have to kind of report it out is so different than writing fiction where you have to like make everything up and right. it's all on you um I had the kind of broad strokes of the story pretty early on. Like I knew, I knew kind of where the character, like I knew where the story started and where it ended up. The problem was in the the middle and getting from point A to point B. Um, And that was what I probably struggled with the most. Like I rewrote the first hundred pages probably like 20 times because I just felt like I wasn't getting it. Mm -hmm. Um, And I didn't have. I'm trying to remember. I don't think I had an outline for the whole book until rather late. Like I and I think that's how I tend to write bigger projects. Like I'll I'll write and write and write and then I'll kind of go back and outline, but I can't really outline until I have something to work with. Mm-hmm. Um and then I actually found that using like a screenwriting beat sheet was super helpful. Um because like there's a reason why people watch movies and because like they are a story and screenwriting structure, you know, you can look at screenwriting structure and say, well, oh, that's, you know, that's so limiting. It's just it's the same beats like mm. in every movie. But like there's a reason why those beats work. And um, I because I felt like plot was my weakness, I was like, let me see how I do when I kind of impose this structure on what I already have. And that was super helpful. And is that a screenwriting beat sheet? Like, is that something you can Google? Yes, you can Google it. Um, there's tons of them on the internet. There's there's like blank ones. There's there's a lot of stuff where people have like done a beat sheet for like Legally Blonde or, you know, <laughs> you can like find the beat sheets for different movies. And those are actually super helpful too. Um, and now they're starting to be... Like, I think if you Google, like, beat sheet novel, like, people are starting to pick up on the idea that, (laughs) that, like, you can do a beat sheet for a novel also. Um, 
I mean, this is probably not something they would teach you at Iowa. So <laughs> sorry, MFA people. Um, but like I do, you know, and and one of the things that people say to me about the book is I read this in like a day and a half. Like I read this so fast. It's such a page turner. And that was what I was going for. Like I wanted to write a book that people kind of inhaled. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I also read a lot of thrillers as I was writing the book. Um because I wanted to write something that made you want to keep turning the pages. Matt, have you read it? Yes. <laughs> Eventually I got to it. <laughs> uh, but it, yeah, it's a very, it is a page turner. It, I, it took me a while to had the galley, read through the first 60 pages of the galley, and then I stopped reading anything for a while. And I don't know why, but mm. I promised her, I was like, I will not pick up another book until I finish your book. And then uh, we got the real copies of the book. And I was like, well, shit, I better <laughs> read this now. Uh, I was like, should I finish, continue the galley? She's like, no, enough's changed that you should probably read this now. And then I blew through it in a day and a half. Like, it's so, it's so, uh, it's, it is to be inhaled. It is to read and keep turning the pages. She's very good at ending chapters. Where you're like, oh, fuck. All right. And it's told from the perspectives <laughs> of three different characters. So every time a chapter ends, you're ending on kind of a cliffhanger with that character's story. So mm. you have to keep reading to find out what happens. <laughs> and you're It's think- like a Bosch novel. I mean. <laughs> oh, thanks, honey. You're very welcome. You're thinking of doing a sequel, right? I'm thinking about it. Um when I wrote the book, I wasn't like, oh, this is the first of three books or whatever, but it's been really interesting to hear people's reactions to the book and hear that like they want to keep living with these characters and they want to know what happens. And Can I make a suggestion? Why don't you retcon it and make it episode four and then you do a pre-trilogy? Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Well, I was I was going to ask, you guys are both writers, do you talk about writing with each other? Um, no. We talk about, uh, I gotta do this, or I gotta do that, or like, I have a script that I have to return. I gotta go back to the office Friday with a script, and uh, I don't know what I'm doing. Um, and with Dory, she's just always, she writes... 40,000 times more than I do, mm-hmm. but I write 40,000 times faster than she does. Um, maybe not for the better, but. And I write pretty fast. Yeah. Um, but I write super fast. It's a little ridiculous. How fast you work I on write. the Goldbergs now, yeah. right? Yeah. Is, are you, what is my question? What I want to ask is mm-hmm. writing fast, is that a TV thing or is that a you thing? I don't know. I'm not sure because I've known nothing but me and TV. So, but you're around other writers. I feel like it might be a late night TV. I thing. am around other. Oh writers. yeah, yeah. I think it might be. It might be a little bit of that where we're pumping out a show a day. And, mm-hmm. Um, but it just uh, even when I left at midnight and wrote a spec, I did it in like three days. I wrote a script from nothing. I was like, eh. Here, I'll just write this. Do you just like sit down and go? Yes. Do you not have sorts of like, oh, weird, I don't like write, I have to clean my I desk don't, first? What's weird for me is writing off of an outline, mm. which is not something I ever used to do. But at the Goldbergs, we break the story together and, you know, we try to beat it out as much as we can before we send a writer off on draft. Um, so like leaving the office saying, come back in a week and they hand you this this outline that sometimes can be you know six pages long sometimes it can be longer or shorter but like to have that 
I'm just like, oh, this is this. Do they know how easy this is? This is ridiculous. <laughs> I don't want to tell anyone, but this is really. And then you can just sort of just fill it in, and it's. Uh, I like it. I like dialogue. I'm very fond of writing dialogue. Mm-hmm. Really, you know, because I talk a lot and I listen to people talk a lot, so it, that comes very naturally to me. But and I think Ed Dory really did a great job with the dialogue too. Well, thank you. You're very welcome. Mm. I really think you should buy her book. It's called Start Up a Novel, <laughs> available from Little Brown, who also publishes the Bosch novels. Also, you guys, I'm on Patreon, patreon.com slash Allison Rosen. There's different reward levels. I know you guys are considering it. We just went on it. You did? Yeah, like literally yesterday. Oh. We're patreon.com slash Adventure. Check out them she, uh, and check out me. I will say she made up rewards that I have no idea what they are, Oh, nor do I know what the work will entail for me. <laughs> But I bet the chances are it's I gotta do a lot of stuff that I don't know about. Just, what are the, what kind of rewards are they? Stuff. Well, there's a level where you can get um, a download of Matt playing a song on a guitar. What? <laughs> <laughs> what does that mean? It just means you will play a song on the guitar and, and they record can it, it and they can download but it. But I don't sing. No, it doesn't matter. You'll just play it. You're not gonna sing. Who wants that? Apparently, people do. People have, find already, people have already pledged at that level. <laughs> I thought it was a really cute idea. I like it. Thank and you, apparently, Allison. your audience does too. I would too. have said no. I would That's have absolutely why you're finding said out no. this way. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I That's suspect. insane. Uh, so, if you're listening to this and that is still up, get it while you can. <laughs> <laughs> What am I supposed to play? Do they ask me? To, yeah. Like, they request a song, uh-huh. and then I play that song? Yeah, and that's it. It will literally take three minutes. What if they're like, I really want them to play, like, Joe Pass's cover of Sunshine, like, it's some crazy jazz song that I'm like, I have to sit and learn that? That'd no. Take, you know how many hours of my day that's going to take? No. It'll be something that you know. How do you know that it will be something I know? <sighs> this, There's no rules on this. <laughs> All right. It'll be fine. What if they're like, I really love the uh, B-side to Parliament Funkadelics, whatever. And How frequently like, do you think that's really going to happen? I, well, now that I'm saying it. I know. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah, exactly. Now it's going to be about You're the one putting you. it out there. This is awful. I'm a bad player. This is not oh a thing God. we should have in, put in people's heads. But they love you. Yes, Exactly. This is a chance for them to realize they're wrong about that. Oh, good. <laughs> oh, wow. I didn't know how he played. So, <laughs> no. so check out that, you guys. Patreon.com slash Excellent Adventure. Yeah. And check out mine. Patreon.com slash Allison Rosen. There's bonus episodes. There's an interactive live video stream. There's a level where you get merch in the mail. All sorts of fun stuff. Let's um, take a question or two from listeners. When they send them in, they're wondering how you have been. So thanks so much for answering these questions from our fans. Okay. Um, let's see. Jeff Chaletti says, asking as half of a couple who unsuccessfully went through fertility treatment now adopting, do you ever get a sense of a, quote, fertility industrial complex? 
Hmm. You know, it is a little bit of a factory, and they are sort of throwing spaghetti at a wall to sort of see if it sticks. And, uh, you know, I think about that. I don't think about that when I'm talking to the doctor, but I do think about that in the waiting room. Like, of just like, oh, it's like, why are there 17 of us here right now? Mm-hmm. And oh, why the, do they, we they all booked look... way too many people for yeah, one time Yeah, and it's like, slot. why are we all tired? <laughs> why have we all been here before? Mm-hmm. Why are we putting our faith in these other human beings to put a baby in us? It's, it's, you How know. do we know they're putting the right embryo inside us? Who well, knows? and also, like, you also, I also kind of wonder, like, are there doctors who ever, I mean, this would be totally unethical, but are there doctors who like instill patients with false hope? Like, mm. do they tell everyone who comes in like, oh, we can make a baby for you. Right. Like, we'll, you know, we'll try anything. And then it's like eight, you know, eight, 10, 12 rounds later when you've spent $150,000, like, oh, well, hmm, sorry, that didn't work. Did you find anyone to be super hopeful? I, f- I found them <clears throat> generally to be very discouraging, but maybe that's just my situation. Um, I found them to be pretty optimistic. I think they're all just, they're confident. Yeah, they seem confident. Yeah. abilities. Yeah. Well, I've, and I actually, the the doctor who ended up getting me pregnant, I love her to death. And doctor I love who the, got you pregnant? <laughs> I love the clinic. But I have heard, um, as a group, reproductive endocrinologists are known for being arrogant because they're playing God. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Totally. And, you know, we switch doctors within mm-hmm. our practice and I I didn't find the first doctor arrogant. I just found him just – I didn't like his bedside manner. He mm-hmm. seemed very aloof. And Matt is making a face because he didn't like him from the beginning and was like, I don't think you're going to like him. And I was like, no, 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 I like him. And then like you know, six months later or whatever, I was like, I want to change doctors. But now I'm very happy with my doctor. And you know what? If he didn't laugh at any of my jokes. Had, and I was like, there's something wrong with this man. <laughs> if we had started with the second doctor, I don't know if I would have had like a point of comparison. Is this second doctor doing things differently or just has a different bedside manner? Um, she is doing things slightly differently. She's a woman. She also like went through our whole history with the first doctor and like walked us through things that we had never, that had never like been explained to us. Mm-hmm. And we were like, oh, like we didn't know that. And you could tell she was sort of like, not like horrified, but she was surprised right. at you the things that we were not aware of. So do you think there's something to going? Cause I switched to a woman as well. And oh. I didn't choose her because she was a woman, but I did feel that she was more patient. She was more compassionate and she was like, seemed more invested in me. Yeah. Yeah. And look, I, you know, I'm sure there are male doctors who act that way as well. My personal experience with these two doctors was that the male was very uh, aloof and kind of weird. And the female doctor was like much more um, human. Human. Yeah. yeah. And also, I think from what I understand, she also did IVF mm-hmm. and just has, I think like having that personal experience just like goes a long way. Right. Did you, was it awkward to change? No. I thought it would be and it totally wasn't. Mm-hmm. Well, we still haven't really seen him. We've seen him in the hallways and then we've ducked into other rooms to avoid seeing him. Okay, but he probably has, he has hundreds of patients, like the odds that he even remembers us. True. It's also probably not the first time. Yeah. He, he is an alien. It's not. And, you know, as my nurse said, like, there are four doctors in my practice, and she was like, they're all really different. Some people switch 
from the doctor that you're switching to because they think she is like she over explains mm-hmm. and like you know they don't want all that information they just want someone who is like all business and just like in and out and i was like oh no no i don't want that <laughs> right. um so yeah uh let's see Still Idaho Pam said, is she still Idaho? She is. She is. She says, how has their marriage evolved post-dog parenthood? Um, you know, there's a lot of built-up resentment for each other. And like when one of us doesn't walk the dog and someone does walk the dog, it's, you know, what would you say, honey? This is all on Matt's end. <laughs> <laughs> um, so when my hand was out of commission i couldn't really walk the dog so matt spent a few weeks and i was also away and so matt spent a few weeks walking the dog and i think he has developed some resentment towards me about that i mean being his sole caregiver was very (laughs) difficult dog parent it was it was hard you know when she goes away it's like Oh boy, buddy, we gotta we gotta get to the park. I gotta make sure you're tired enough so that you can wait until this time for me to thing. And then I, what if I have to do a podcast? It's it's a lot. But I, now, I wish I could take him places. Like yeah. I wish he was either compact enough. He's seventy five pounds. What kind of dog? He's, he's a he's, what, what is he? he? He looks like a Rhodesian Ridgeback. So he's a big brown. Mm-hmm. He's a big brown dog with a giant head. Like huge. Enormous. Like it's the size of his head is the size of my head. Like if you go on Instagram, there's pictures <laughs> yeah. of him. Like when I drive, he sometimes will stand up in the back seat and put his oh, head on my shoulder. That's so cute. It's really cute. Stare out the window. <laughs> um, and our heads are the same size. It's kind of bizarre. Right. But yeah. So uh, he's not a, a portable dog. No. No. And he, you know, he reacts unpredictably to people and. People with balls, dogs with balls. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, he's thing. not really portable. Um, but, yeah, so Matt's been a little sad about that lately. You know, it's just like takes time out of my busy day. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've started walking him again. I know. So Finally, just in time for me to go back to work. <laughs> and some guy in HTX sa- says. Houston, Texas, maybe. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm. A lot of location-based. I love location-based things. Like, I feel like I understand the person a little bit better. Right. How many is too many guitars? Follow-up, since there's obviously no such thing as too many, how many does Matt keep in the house ready to play? All of them. They're all in the house ready to play. They're all hung. They're all tuned. They're all in there. The All the cases uh, are stored in our shed. Um, currently, there's, what, 31, 32? In the yep. house? Yeah. 31 like, or 32. There's like 31 or 32 <laughs> in the house. There's a couple out for repair. Like, I always have a couple that are out. It's basically being a guitar center in our house. <laughs> yeah. For lefties. For so, lefties. But you guys are both lefties. So. We are. We are. She uh, doesn't play. Mm-hmm. Uh, she has ample opportunity to learn. Anytime she could pick up one of the guitars and play, and I wouldn't right. be bothered by that at all. I wish she would. Any of the 31 or 32, there's not even like one or two that are off limits? No. They're all like, whatever. He does play all of them. I do. I cycle through them all. I mean, there's a couple that like, there's only, they only made one of them left-handed and I have Mm -hmm. it. I have a guitar that Gibson made two lefties. One was for me. The other was for Paul McCartney. Wow. It's like, so there are like very, there's like really rare guitars in there, but it's also just like guitars. I am of the school of thought of all guitars are meant to be played. Do you have them insured? Yeah. 
Smart. Separate rider. Because like renter's insurance or homeowner's insurance, you can only get like $15,000 in property. Mm -hmm. I'm like, buddy, come on. I got a lot of guitars. Yeah. 31 or 32. Yeah. Yeah. And what kind of living situation do you have where you have a shed? Do you guys have a house? Yeah, we rent a house. We rent a house. Oh, how nice. And I bought a shed. Yeah. For the yard. It has... The house is like not that big, but it is on like a weirdly large lot. Mm -hmm. And... We, I was like, well, maybe we should just get a storage unit. And I was like, let's just get a shed and put it in the backyard. And it turned out to be like much more economical to just buy a shed. No, she's right. like, it's cheaper to get. I'm like, no, no, do the math. And yeah. she did the math. And like over the first year, it was way cheaper to buy an eight by 12 shed with a workbench in it. Yeah. So, so we did that. That's where a lot of stuff lives. Yeah. If you ever need help with a shed, let it me know. turns out I have shed envy. <laughs> I didn't even think I did. But you, it's. We don't have a yard. You have no access to a yard out here. Nope. We've got like some a paved area where we park, and there's um, like a little picnic table out there. Have you thought about like just garbage cans dropping a shed on that picnic table? I mean, not until right now. Yeah, think about it. It's an option. Tough shed. It's great. You go to Home Depot. I mean, you can buy it on Amazon. They build it for you. Allison Rosen click through. Yeah. Order yourself a shed. What's crazy is that I literally had never heard of Tough Shed until we're going to do Just Me or Everyone in a minute. Yeah. And someone sent in a Just Me or Everyone about Tough Shed. And I was like, I don't even know what that is. Weird. What are the chances? Love Tough Shed. I sent that in. <laughs> it's not It's not one of the ones we're going to do today, though. Because we're going to have right. to tune into another episode. Well, if you want to hear the exciting conclusion of Allison's Tough Actually, Shed. Actually, I'll just tell you what it is. Let's hear the song. Sometimes I ponder on something I have thought or done. Is it just me or everyone? I believe it was Ray Morgan who sent it in, but I'm not 100% sure. It was every time he hears the Tough Shed commercial, he thinks they're saying tough shit. Oh, well, I can say I've never heard a Tough Shed commercial. Me neither. I thought it must be a regional thing. No, it's national. Definitely. They're but built. I wonder what channel he's watching. Where We're he... going to have to find out. Yeah. You got to watch a lot of like me TV and those. Oh, sure. Old uh, well, classic TV side. Sure. Channels. I do that a lot. Yeah. I feel like they, if they're not playing it on Root Sportsnet, the Pittsburgh sports channel that I was watching earlier today, then I don't know where they're playing it. Whoa. We're paying for that? We pay for <laughs> Honey, we have every channel. Oh, God. Have you guys completely... Now I'm just asking marriage questions. Yeah. Have you completely blended finances? No. No. Yeah, we haven't either. Um, n- we're like, we're, bo- we're very close to doing that. Yeah. Um, it's only just out of laziness that we haven't. And yeah. out of like, yeah. oh, this is going to be more well, difficult also, like, than I oh, thought. Oh, there's stuff coming out of Agreed. this account automatically. Yeah, and, like, like blah, yeah. Blah, blah. my car comes out of my account. And then, right. right. But, but we, like, he is on my personal checking account and... We have a business checking account mm-hmm. that I'm on and I put like all my freelance stuff in there. And so I, I feel put like all my regular stuff in there. We're like moving closer. Right. Pretty soon. It'll be a blended, truly blended family. Do you have separate credit cards? We, um, do we? We do. And then we also have some that are together. Yeah. Like we have some like legacy cards from before we were married. Legacy cards. It's funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel like when you get married, when you're like 25, you're like getting all that stuff together mm-hmm. from the beginning. But when you get married in your 30s, like you've already opened credit cards and you already have like all this stuff. I right? lived in a townhouse when I met her. It's not like, you know, 
it's not like I was like in a sharing a five bedroom, you know, five uh, person flat in like Koreatown, which I had been doing at a point in my life where I did, I had no credit cards at that point, but like, right. You know, You're both separately established. Yeah. yeah. We both have bylines. Did you change your name? No. I did not. Yeah, I haven't either. And did you, do you think you will though? I don't think I will. Initially I intended to change my name, but then all of a sudden I had this freak out of like that. I, I don't know. It was just like, but I've had this name for so long. Yeah. It freaks me out. I'm just going to, but I'm still, I think I'm going to do it. And then when I went to look into it, I was like, well, this actually does seem to be more work than I thought it was going to be. And then I heard someone say in a Snapchat mm-hmm. story, mm-hmm. not Instagram st- or stories, a Snapchat video, just a Snapchat. I don't know. What's a singular I think, Snapchat? I think, uh, just a, a, Snapchat? a snap. A snap. In a snap. I heard someone say in a snap, don't ever change your name because it creates a human, like when you get married, just if you want to, you know, publicly go by your husband's last name, do it. But when you go to change your name, it just creates like a clusterfuck in your life. Oh. oh. I've heard from plenty of people that's not true though, but Interesting. it just sounded like all sorts of, uh, like traveling might become a nightmare then, or I don't know. Yeah, you, you have to get all, on. you have to get all of your documents changed. Yes. Yeah, it seems like more work than like if we haven't merged our finances, I don't think we're gonna <laughs> change her. Name. I mean, plus then when you get a divorce, it's just that much harder. It's super awkward. Right? Yeah. Okay. Christian Ambrosio says, I only lock the door to the restroom if I'm not in my own home, just me or everyone. Yeah. Um definitely me. I mean, I sometimes leave the door open. I usually leave the door it. open. And Matt it drives Matt it. crazy. Oh, that is the same it. as Daniel and me. Just like why? Why? There's why a door. Not? There's a I, door. It's like it's also the bathroom. We have two bathrooms. I tend to use the one in the bedroom, and Matt uses the one in the hallway. And like sometimes I'll, Matt will be like playing guitar in his office, and I'll just have to pee, and so I just go into the bathroom, and uh, and then like suddenly he's stopped playing. Like, like within. 20 seconds he's like in the bedroom and is like ah why is the door open and i'm like i thought you were playing guitar like come on i don't poop with the door open it's the whole thing but do you want to at all no i don't want to poop with the door open i i made a lot of noise about how i wanted to have a relationship where we just poop with the door open but then when push came to shove you there were a couple times to- yeah no. there were a couple times i was in the bathroom and he was our bathroom is there's a door from the office to the bathroom and from the bedroom to the mm. bathroom. What is that called? Jack and Jill? I believe it yeah. is, yes. I almost used that term and I'm like, I'm not 100% no, sure. I think that's what it's called. So I would be in there and then all of a sudden he'd be in the office and I was like, oh, well, it's time for me to really put my money where my mouth is. And I'd be like, <laughs> honey, can you close the door for me? <laughs> so I guess when it comes down to it, I don't really want that. I don't know. Uh, Darla Deet says, just me or everyone, I'm a sucker for a BuzzFeed quiz. Oh, everyone. everyone. By the way, I do like to lock the door on the bathroom at home. Really? Why? Just in case. In case what? Who knows? Home invasion? I guess that's smart. But he'll leave the front door unlocked. I forget sometimes. Well, he's got the <laughs> the security of the locked bathroom door. Right. That's right. But his wife is just left wandering the house. <laughs> right. Wandering the house. Are you guys on the Nextdoor app? Oh, yeah. Oh, it's the best place to go if you want to hate your neighborhood. That's what I tweeted that. <laughs> Something like that. Yes. 
I, if you want to hate your neighbors and hate your neighborhood, and also oh I'm God. marinating in a dog fart right now. I hope it's not walking no, it's over fine. to you guys. Listen, it's no. very much we over have here. A, we have a dog. She is under your chair. She, mm-hmm. yeah, she. Um, but she farts like a boy. Yeah, mm. next door. I'm there's the I mean I will say the one good thing that came from next door is that when my bike got stolen I got it back through next door yeah that's great Um, so I can't totally hate next door can't totally hate next door but it is just like so unsettling everything you read on there is I mean I horrible not that I think it's smart to leave the front door unlocked all the time but normally I would think oh come on you know it's not that big a deal yeah. in a good neighborhood however after being on next door no neighborhood I'm, is good yeah that's what next door teaches you right is that there is no good neighborhood <laughs> right just a block uh, over there's all sorts of break-ins i'm sure like cars, i'm sure in malibu uh david geffen is like posting about like uh some annoying thing that annoyed him under some weird pseudonym there is no good neighborhood no uh and like and it like caused me to like get so paranoid that i ended up i bought a ring video doorbell and I put it on Saturday, and I just was like, all right, this is it now. Now we're these people. That was a direct outgrowth of next door? That was a direct outgrowth yeah. of next door. And our doorbell ringing. Our doorbell rang, and no one was there. And we have, oh, sec- out of and nowhere. We have security cameras, and no one showed up on the security camera. Mm-hmm. We were like, what the fuck? But then when I went to install the ring video doorbell, it was only then that I discovered that our doorbell was wireless. So... An inadvertent doorbell ring is not that weird. Mm-hmm. Someone could have hit the right radio frequency on something right. and caused the doorbell to go off. Mm. So I was a little annoyed that I went through that for nothing. But now I can see whenever but now, everyone's yeah. there. 24-7. <laughs> so many alerts. Ring of security. Uh, let's see here. Leela Rolling Stone says, have six identical pairs of my favorite jeans and worry that people will think I'm just wearing the same jeans six days in a row. You should not worry. Mm. I, I own I'm a s- pair of jeans. Yeah, I was just thinking about this. Like, I'm so past the point of of caring about stuff like that, which is not for it's it's for the worst, probably that I'm like, oh, you know, basically, like I get dressed to see the public for an hour a day, yep. if if even that. So I figure. The clothes that aren't my pajamas really aren't getting that much wear. Yeah. In high school, I had a notebook and I would write down what I wore every single day, including accessories, so that wow. I didn't repeat too often. That's wow. the last time I have been that person. Wow. Since then, I've been, and it was only for like a, a, maybe the first year of high school. Since then, I've been a like, yeah, wow. I'm wearing the same thing. I deal with it. I buy person. multiple pairs of the same style of jeans, but in slightly different shades mm-hmm. or like black and then light blue and then dark blue. And like, I, I never buy two of the exact same pair. I think if you find something you like, you should embrace it. Yeah. And buy a bunch of it. In pregnancy, I did buy two of the same shirts and two of the same pairs of jeans because they were going to be, you know what? This is the most boring story ever. No, I mean, it also, it's like, it's the reason that like a lot of times if I don't have clean socks, I will buy clean socks. Like I won't go through the hassle of washing them or finding them. I'll just buy another pack of socks. It's just easier. Sometimes it is. Yeah. But then don't you have a million socks, both dirty and clean? I do. But I guess there's nothing wrong with that. Eventually they get cleaned. And then I have so many socks. (laughs) Uh, J-Mo's for A-Rose says, can't stand how different my voice sounds to me in a recording than it does live. 
Mm. I think if you become a podcaster, so you have that. to get over that. Yeah, yeah. So but I remember that. that feeling usually when I would hear my voice on someone's answering machine, being like, "Yeah, totally." That's how I sound. Yeah. Well, here's a weird thing. My dad has a very thick Israeli accent, but as a kid, I couldn't really hear it. Mm-hmm. And then I heard his voice on the answering machine, and I was like, "Who is that?" Oh, that's so interesting. It was very strange. Um, and also, like as a journalist, you hear yourself on like when you're transcribing mm-hmm. stuff and it is so annoying, but you eventually get used to it. What do you use to record interviews? Um, now I just use voice memo on my on my phone because then you can like airdrop it to your computer and... Right. Yeah. Uh, do you redundantly back it up though? Like do you have another thing going just in case? I I should and I have at times, but I usually don't. I think we should get you a little tiny recorder. I have one somewhere. I have like three well, somewhere. I'll find it. Okay. I just want you to be redundant. Thank you. I don't want it to fail. Right. Can you even buy little tapes anymore? I think they're just like little digital. Yeah, recorders. I have oh, little I digital see. ones. Okay. Ariana Bridgman says, and this is the last one, spread dip on the cracker equals delicious. Off the cracker and especially on a fork, disgusting. I'm sorry. I disagree. I could handle dip yeah. on a fork. I could handle it on a cracker. If we're talking hummus, get me a spoon. Oh, I, I'm kind of with, uh, what was her name? Ariana. Like, Ariana. Yeah, I'm kind of with Ariana. I mean, it depends on the dip, but like, <laughs> especially something super like creamy or mayonnaise I want on a cracker. Yeah. I haven't had a good French onion dip in a while. It has been a while. Has that gone out of favor dip-wise? I feel like it has. But it's I feel like delicious. It's, yeah. it's the dip of our youth, Yeah, certainly. Right, because it comes in a little packet yeah. that you yeah. mix with a little Lipton packet. And when you got a ridged potato with chip sour with cream. that. Yes. Oh, boy. I feel like every birthday party that... Yeah, guys. Or maybe bridge night that my parents hosted. I don't know. But yeah. my youth involved ridged ridged. If, uh, if you can make it to this year's Hanukkah Christmas party that we have at our house, I'll be sure to have a fuck ton of that dip. Yeah, that's a good idea. I'm in. All right. You know, I, th- I don't think I got invited last year. I think I got invited no, the did. year before. I feel like there might have been a gap in the invitation. I don't think there was. You We're, might be right. It's the same email list. I, I can't commit to <laughs> this outrage. <laughs> I wanted to, but then I realized you might be right. Um, <clears throat> We're neighbors. It just makes sense. It does just make sense. I know. I was being cagey about the fact that we're neighbors. I don't know why. What? Oh, people shouldn't know we live near each other? Do we people live know in the where same, you live? We live in the same terrible neighborhood. No, people don't know where I live. Okay. Then I think it's fine. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm just going to clear my throat into the mic because I think that that sounds good and it's soothing. <clears throat> this is not my first time. <clears throat> Matt and Dory, it was so much fun having you on the show. This was so fun. Thank you so much. Thanks Thank for you. having us. Everyone should go out and buy Startup. A novel. And li- should, listen to our podcast. And they should listen to Matt, Matt and Dory's, Dory's excellent, excellent adventure. adventure. Yeah. How did you decide on Matt and Dory versus Dory and Matt for the uh, We podcast? did talk about it. We did. Um, and I suggested Dory and Matt and then... We said Matt and Dory, and then we were like, well, what was the wedding called? The wedding website. And then we're like, we just like flip-flopped yeah, around. For and some, just ended for up some on reason, Matt and Dory. I don't know. Uh, I thought it sounded better, Matt and Dory. Mm. I didn't care. <laughs> it does sound good. Matt and Dory. Dory and Matt. They're both I think great. Matt and Dory might actually roll I off the tongue, yeah. little, the tongue better. a little more easily. Yeah, thanks. Um... 
And they can find that on iTunes. They sure can. Yep. But is there any other uh, website or yeah thing you'd like to throw out there? We have a website at excellentadventure.com. And there's all the episodes on there. There's a lot of other stuff on there, too. Excellent, like egg. Mm -hmm. Yes, indeed. Like a baby. Yeah. Someday. And you're at Matt Myra on Twitter. Yeah. And Dory, you're just at Dory. Yeah, D-O-R-E-E. Did you get that real early? Early? No, actually, I didn't have it. I was Dory Shafrir for a long time. And at Dory was this woman who I Googled her and it looked like she worked in like a fancy drug rehab type place in, you know, Malibu or something. And she never tweeted. She had tweeted like twice. And at BuzzFeed, they con- they like asked Twitter if we could have the handle. And they were like, well, she's considered active because she logs in. She just mm. doesn't tweet. And we we're like, damn. And then like a year later, the guy who runs our social media at BuzzFeed was like, I got you the handle. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, cool. So that's how I got it. It's very exciting. It I wonder is. if she I mean, to, to, have log- a- to, just, to just log in one day and it's like, God damn it. Yeah. <laughs> to have a fir- like a Twitter handle. I know. your first name is impressive. It's pretty cool I'm impressed i'm impressed i'm at allison rosen not just at i, right. I gotta find out who's at allison it's probably like know. someone who works at twitter or worked I at twitter bet. or something a lot of the common first names are people who like are in sf mm. i've noticed you would know because you cover that world yeah man like i got to be myra when i worked at apple i got to be myra at apple.com oh no, wow no no apple employee had been myra or mira mm. by that point and we had a guy uh, who worked at our store who was named Ace. Like his birth name was Ace, and he couldn't have it because some dumb engineer had already had Ace. Oh <laughs> man, <clears throat> Jeff! Oh no, <clears throat> I don't know what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, where can we find you? You can find me on Facebook and Twitter at Colonel Jeff Fox. That's how far I out I had to reach. <laughs> Colonel <laughs> Jeff Fox a- couldn't even get Jeff Fox. Couldn't get Colonel Jeff. Colonel How'd Jeff you Fox. settle on Colonel? I produced Larry Miller's mm-hmm. show, and we just, as a gag, one week, he wanted to come up with titles for everybody to work sure. on the show. So I became Colonel Jeff. Chris, our engineer, became Dr. Chris. I don't know if Larry got a title, but so he gave that to me, and I could take it or leave it, but I was working for Adam Kroll at the time, who gave everybody wildly insulting nicknames, uh-huh. <laughs> which I had never been the recipient of one until yeah. that point, and I thought, I'm leaning into this one to make this stick before nice. I become, you know, douchebag Jeff or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Which Jeff? Douchebag Jeff. Yeah. That Twitter handle was not available. That was my first choice. All right. And follow me at Allison Rosen. Follow the show's Twitter feed at A-R-I-Y-N-B-F. Subscribe. iTunes.com slash Allison Rosen. Thank you guys so much. Thank you. Listeners, thank you for listening. I love you. Goodbye. Hey, do you know about the Allison Rosen show? We had a good time. But now we gotta go